I'm Kyle Rode, and this is the Rebel HR Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Rebel HR is a podcast for HR professionals who are ready to make some disruption in the world of work. Follow us online on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, rebelhumanresources.com, or follow me on Twitter at Rebel HR Guy. All right, listeners, I am really excited about today's conversation, as I'm sure is near and dear to many of your hearts. We're going to be talking about employee benefits. Uh, today, our guest uh, is a senior strategy advisor for Brio Benefit Consulting down in uh, in Wall Street slash Neil's basement right now. Uh, we have uh, Neil Ratsutsky. Did I say that right? Oh, now? you got you got it. You got Ratsutsky. It. All right, I perfect. Can't even criticize that. All right, and uh, and he is helping the country's best HR professionals, CEOs, and CFOs use benefits to influence culture, lower cost long term, create efficiencies. And make sure we don't get any lawyers knocking on our doors. Uh, Neil, welcome to the podcast. I'm very, very, very glad to be here. Really appreciate uh, you spending some time with us. And I think as we look at the world of benefits, it's it can get convoluted. It can get confusing. And a lot of times in the world of HR, uh, we're only dealing with uh, the uh, the negative side of benefits when when it goes wrong. Why don't we start by... Uh, just having you tell us a little bit about your organization. So, um, yeah, I'll tell you about myself and our organization. Um, I have been in the very exciting world of employee benefits for uh, just about 10 years now. Um, and not to walk you through, uh, you know, the, the, the chronology of, of my story, but um, I actually think it's very relevant. I had spent almost four years on the pharmaceutical and prescription side. Um, of the industry, I got a very unique perspective as to you know the back end mechanics of insurance, of the pharmaceutical um, industry, medicine, how it affects employees and patients, right? And I joined Brio uh, seven years ago after meeting the partners of the firm and just lining up philosophically with them, with my experience and them coming from the carrier side of. You know, our philosophy is just matched up in the sense of we had met with hundreds, thousands of employers at this point. And, and the story, unfortunately, for the benefits industry hasn't changed. We've met with thousands of employers, CEOs, CFOs, HR directors mainly over the years and just kept hearing over and over again how tired they were of the reactive model of getting your renewal 30 to 60, 90 days if you're lucky every year before your effective date, scrambling to make a decision. Uh, is this the year we're making plan design changes? Are we shopping our insurance this year? Um, are we going to just number shift, right? Raise deductibles and co-pays. And, and then when making those decisions, how is it going to affect my employees? How is it going to affect uh, my administrative workload from an HR side, right? Which is what we're all trying to ease. And how is it going to affect my companies, the firm's ability to attract or retain talent, to affect the bottom line, but without impacting culture in a negative way. So um, what we did was over the years, and we've been tweaking it, we've been working with all of our clients and HR professionals across the country to develop just a really different way of approaching the benefits, a different model. Um, and really, our goal is to take that nationwide and help anyone and everyone that is willing to take a different look at the benefits to really create a vision and, and execute on that. That was a really long-winded answer, so I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a bit of passion in this because it's such a, such a stodgy industry, and it, it, it blows my mind coming from you know, where the space I came from. I came from large pharma. I also owned a, a small mom-and-pop pharmacy before joining Brio, so I, I have like a an array of experience with insurance from all different angles. Um, and when really getting into the employee benefits space, I, I can't believe that so many years later, nothing, nothing has changed. All other industries have taken leaps and bounds from a technology standpoint, from, um, from, from just every standpoint. 
And insurance and benefits have basically been the same because the carriers haven't wanted or have not allowed for change uh, to occur, right? It's a lot of it is political, um, you know, not in any one direction, but it, it just, it's a used car sale, every, you know, every year at renewal time for a lot of employers. And uh, to, to me, that's unacceptable. <laughs> I, I hate car shopping. So I'm glad you used that analogy because yeah. insurance shopping is the same. <laughs> yeah. And, and to, to be honest with you, I, I, I feel the same way. And that's why um, we've tried to, to, to go about it differently. We don't want to shop our client's insurance. Like for us, that's, uh, you know, I think that's basic blocking and tackling. Anyone can do that, but to, to create a vision, to look at everything in a big picture and key performance indicators and communication and compliance, right? Keeping those lawyers from knocking at your door, that takes a lot more of a cons- consultative and consulting role. So um, we hate the word broker, which, so we try to stick to consultant as much as we can, just because of it, it's that that negative connotation that comes around it. So you you brought up that it's political. Mm-hmm. Do you, it, it very much is. But yeah. with that, do you feel like employers can take a a role in controlling some of these costs, or is it truly just all left up to politics? Um, I, I know for a fact that employers can take control of these costs. We've had a lot of, um, success stories with a lot of groups that we've worked with, but you know, what I really refer to in the politics is, is the things that go on at the, the highest level, right? At the carrier level, um, with the, you know, dumping off high renewals onto employers, no matter what goes on, right? Profits continue Mm -hmm. to rise. And, you know, being in the world of fully insured, which most groups are, which is the least efficient way of having insurance now is being fully insured guaranteed cost. Being in that world, um, you're kind of left every year hoping that you don't get slammed with a 30 percent renewal. And, you know, they work you down to a 10 or 12, which is like trend basically over the last couple of years. And most employers are happy with that now. Right. They've learned they've the insurance carriers have have taught employers that getting a 10 to 15% increase every year is actually winning right and even if you're running if you were to truly run at um at a better loss ratio and you should be getting decreases in in a lot of cases you're going to be happy getting only an 8% increase right and they're going to tell you like like it's your birthday you only got a 8 or a 10 this year um so, the, you know, the way that employers have driven down costs is by taking control of the plan, by going eventually to self-funding and eventually to self-funding and carving out uh, and owning your own contracts, right? Because the big spend in recent years, and it's starting to hit the national spotlight, and, and the president has even spoken on it. Uh, recently is specialty medication and pharmacy, right? So RX and specialty RX in particular are huge cost drivers in in American healthcare. And uh, if you could take control of that, and you know, there's different ways where you can carve out and direct contract with uh, with the pharmacy benefit manager with the PBMs. That is the biggest way that employers are driving down costs long-term instead of just eating these double-digit increases year over year over year. Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. You're absolutely right. It, it's, know, abs- it's, it's, it's absolutely absurd. It, it's, it's not, it's not right. It's, it's, it's downright criminal. Um, you know, honestly. My background, I came from a larger employer that was self-insured and then I made the switch to a smaller employer and we are fully insured and every renewal I feel like I have zero control over it and you're right if we get an increase but it's below you know the benchmark we're happy Mm -hmm. and you've been conditioned to think that and that 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 sucks right like (laughs) but like without without like letting my Brooklyn uh four letter words fly here that sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucks. And that's unacceptable. And they've, but they've conditioned employers to take it. 
So Neil, Absolutely. this is Patrick. I have a, I have a question for you, and the timing on this is perfect because my renewal yeah. meeting is Thursday with uh with our team. Okay. And with our brokerage team, since 2007, we're we're we have almost 300 employees. We're self-insured. Mm-hmm. We have probably been averaging around. I'm looking at it, roughly 300 or 300 dollars per member per mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Um, for claims. Okay. And. This year, we're averaging right now $197 per member per month, yet we're yeah. still expecting an increase. Now, since we're self-funded, we're fortunate, and our increases are anywhere between maybe 3 and 7%, which is great exactly. Exactly. versus fully insured. But what advice can you give me to argue to our brokerage company and saying, we are $197 per member per month. How can we accept our carrier giving us a 6% increase? How do I challenge that? You know, the big advantage of being self-funded is that is it's really exactly what you just said, that when you have those bad years, when you're fully insured, you're paying a renewal or uh, a compounding renewal, really, right? Because every year you're paying on top of what you paid previously on 100% of your cost. When you're self-funded, you're only getting the increase on that stop loss piece, which is maybe 20%. Of your cost, right? To fit, when you remove the fees, everything I'd say 15 to 20%. So, how can you argue that? The the advantage is that you can shop to a different stop loss carrier, and and that's the beauty of being self funded is you you can you can look outside, and if you are running better, and and for whatever reason the carrier doesn't want to give you a decrease or um, a rate pass. You can you can look elsewhere, and and if your stop loss ratios are are as good as 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 they are, you can keep your same network, and and just go to a different um, you know stop loss carrier. That's a good approach. I like that. You know that that's that's really the advantage is you're owning is once you carve out the stop loss and the RX eventually, uh, and I don't know if you guys are carved in. It sounds like you're carved in. But if you explore carving it out, you you can just move that piece year over year, and you you fully control the back end mechanics, the levers that are that are working in the background, and and you shouldn't be beholden to 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 the carrier giving you rate increases when they're not deserved. No, it's the disadvantage that I see there. To your point in the beginning, when you were talking about how we're always waiting until the end of the year, 30, 60 days out for renewal. It's yeah. now let's say we go down this road. And then it delays our renewal because they're shopping other stuff around while dealing with their other clients' renewals. And then at the end of the day, you got myself and my team and Kyle and Molly, who it's, it's like, finally, we'll get our rates in December. And we have <laughs> weeks to do our renewal and open enrollment. And it's it's always just a, a scramble <laughs> at the end of the year for all of us. It it doesn't. it uh, I get it. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. Right. Especially with you being self-funded. You should have enough numbers, and I, and I don't know what you're, who you're working with or what they're doing, right? And um, everyone is different, but we believe in weekly and monthly reporting, projecting it out, and our self-funded clients, are, our January 1 renewals are wrapped up in August. And if we have to shop it, we know here's who we're shopping it to, and if it lands in this range, this range, or this range, we're going with A, B, or C. Right. So so you're already so far along the process that you should be simplifying it even further um, over time. And, and that's what employers really should be doing. That's that's the direction we've been trying to get employers to go is fully insured has become so expensive and not to stick to cost uh, only. Right. Because benefits are so much more than just the insurance cost. But it's become so expensive that self taking a shot on self-funding makes all the sense in the world now. Before you used to, they used to say you have to be 500 at least employees. We have groups down to 50 employees uh, self-funding at this point because fully insured is really that expensive anyway, right? So as long as you understand the cash flow, um, the risk factors involved, it can make a lot of sense for a lot of groups. Uh, we also there's le- level funding, uh, which Molly, I don't know if. Um, you know, if you're self-funded, fully insured, level funded, but level funding is that perfect bridge product where you can get skin in the game. It starts changing the way you think. You start getting surplus and then you decide, do I want to take the full dive into progressing this forward? But 
fully insured just rarely makes any sense, um, mm-hmm. you know, for groups of anything over 100 employees, especially. Yeah. So, uh, Patrick, I think, yeah, great call out on, you know, costs are down, but renewals mm-hmm. are up. Um, you know, some numbers, if anybody hasn't been following the news, um, I'm just going to call it out. So United Health Group profit doubles to $6.6 billion yep. in second quarter, doubled to $6.6 billion. So if anybody's under United Healthcare, I think the question is, okay, where's that money going? Because you're just going to charge you. more and take the profit, right? <laughs> and the, but that's the challenge. That's the challenge in the world of HR is, you know, yeah. that information is power, but we're also beholden to our consultant or broker, whichever term you'd like mm-hmm. to use, to help illustrate that to us because the, the environment's just too complex for us to know all of the levers that we need to be aware of and, and that we need to pull. We, you have to have an expert steering the ship. You know, this year we're in a tough year as well with COVID. You have the Uniteds and the Walmarts of the world waiting cost share with all the COVID mm-hmm. testing and diagnosis and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the Walmarts and Uniteds need to pass that cost on to somebody come 2021. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we're going to feel it. I, and I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, I've had I've been having a lot of conversations with a, a lot of people in recent months, especially um, being that there's no more commuting. I'm able to speak to a lot, a lot more uh, HR folks um, over Zoom in the comfort of my home here. Uh, but what and this is speculating, but the conversations I've been having a lot of is if you are about to get your renewal and United, Blue Cross, Cigna, now they come to you and they're going to give you an increase, right? Spending has been down in recent months because people aren't going to the doctor, okay? They, are, they have been halted from having elective surgery and elective procedures. Um, spending has been way down from a healthcare standpoint, aside from the COVID testing. So in theory, all those high-priced procedures aren't being paid for. So there should be a lot more money. You shouldn't be getting high, you know, renewals or, or high incre- or high increases period. But imagine if they're going to hit you right now with a big renewal, what next year, and, and I'm telling groups, you have to plan for what the possibility is next year for the fully insured groups, those level funded groups. You have to think about that because once once every and you know we're in two different parts of the country once all these restrictions are lifted and people start going back and having their elective surgeries their elective procedures their plastic surgeries and everything they've been putting off for five six months that's all going to pile on and who's going to pay for that right now you're actually going to have to pay for it as an employer um, and the day of reckoning is going to come in 2021 you have to be ready for that the other comment here that i would make is employer bears the brunt of the cost, guess who else has to bear that cost? All your members, right? Your employees are going to pay more in premiums because your employer can't offset all of that premium inflation. So you're going to have more out of your paycheck. So from an employee standpoint, it's to your benefit to be in an insurance plan that Mm -hmm. is a little bit disruptive and pushes the boundaries, or you can expect to continue to see prices go up and up and up at 10% a year you're going to double prices in 10 years, right? I mean, it's, yeah. that's just how, that's just where it's going. So I think it's a, that's a great point well made. So as you look at how, how Brio helps mm-hmm. employers look at all of these challenges, where do you start in your analysis and assessment and how do you really start to uh, help somebody in an HR role where this is maybe 10 to 15% of their job yeah. try to navigate this? <laughs> So, uh, awesome question, and 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 I'm actually going to walk you through what our process looks like. Um, it, it's funny that you mentioned that it, it's only, you know it's 10 to 15 percent of the job, right? Employee benefits are typically the second or third largest budget item after payroll for for a company. However, and I had a trouble wrapping my head around this when I first got into the industry all those years ago. Um, with it being such a high ticket item, I couldn't wrap my head around that HR folks don't just do benefits all day long, right? But 
over the years, many, many conversations, some disrupt HR um, meetings uh, and networking events I've been to, I learned that the a true HR professional wears many different hats throughout the day and you're handling everything from being uh, a benefit specialist to a mental health therapist to an employment attorney to taking out the trash um, if need be a lot of the times. Um, and, and so how do we how do we make it easier, right? So the approach that Brio takes and um, our process is really based around two steps. And we, we literally do this with every single um, prospective client and client, and we do it every two years with clients. It's a two-step process. We call it discovery and blueprint. So like I mentioned before, the, we come from the space of the benefits model is broken. It's reactive. So this model really is built to break away from that. And, and we have two meetings with HR and finance. HR and finance have to always be in the room together, in our opinion, when discussing benefits. It does not work otherwise because finance always has their view on the benefits, usually it's because it's such a high ticket item, high budget item. Um, and HR, which represents the people, usually in, 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 uh, in a workplace, has their view. So we believe they have to be in the room together for this to work. And it's two meetings, discovery and blueprint. And that first meeting, discovery, we literally sit in a room. Now we sit on a Zoom um, and we ask a ton of questions. It's usually about a 60, 90 minute session. And we ask everything to learn about what you've done in the past, what you have going on today. But most importantly, and I think this is more critical than ever, where do you see yourself as a company and where do you want to be in six months, one year, and three years? All right. And that's really hard to, to think about in today's time because look where we were six months ago. Life was great. <laughs> so when I say six months now, like it, it makes me nauseous to think of what could have, what could be six months from today, but um, everything you've done in the past today and what you have going on, right? And we help groups create a vision together based on, you know, and how we walk them through how they're going to attain that based on what the best performing groups in the country and what our clients are doing, what we call our key performance indicators, right? So we have eight KPIs um, that we walk a, a, a potential client through. Cost containment is obviously a critical one, which we've just been discussing. <clears throat> Communication, because I, to me, honestly, right after cost, the way you communicate the benefits directly impacts the way that your employees view you as an employer and the way the market views you as an employer, right? Which leads us to value perception. We talk a lot about HR technology, which has become very front and center for HR professionals in recent years. And uh, if I were to tell you that we would be in the HR tech space, you know, six, seven years ago, I, I, I'd never believe it, right? But over and over, people are coming to us. We actually hired a director of HR technology just for this specific role to help HR professionals with vendor selection of all different kinds. We go through compliance and everything you need to know, right? And, and what the ideal situation would be, um, auditing information for accuracy and lifestyle and wellness, right? Perks. Um, what the new workforce looks like is their, their medical dental vision, the standard benefits are expected, right? With, with millennials, Gen Z now entering the workforce in full um, you have to offer more than just the standard medical dental vision and a 401k. They're, they're worried. They're asking questions about what does your infertility plan look like? Do you have, um, you know, student loan benefits, right? What, what is the total rewards? And that's how you have to view benefits. So we go through all those KPIs. We ask a ton of questions. We create a vision and we come back typically about two weeks later and we give every prospective client or client a blueprint. And that literally, it looks like a blueprint. It's kind of cheesy, but, um, you know, it gets its point across. It's literally a business plan for the benefits that says, here's what your goal is. Here's what your vision is as a group. Here's what the best performing groups in your space and in the country are doing. 
And here's a business plan to help you get there. It's that's our whole value proposition is always and will always be to spend the time to put in the work, ask the questions, and then show you how to attain that. Um, we do all of that free of charge. Aside from our time, our hopes are always that we get hired afterwards. We know that's not always the case, of course. Uh, we're very different philosophically um, than a lot of groups are, and we are really comfortable with that. We're, we're, we know who our clients are, and our clients know what they want to be working with. So, you know, as time progresses, as um, as the younger generation moves into more senior roles, we think that this is where the market is going, is you have to always be looking at it as total rewards and a total compensation package. And everyone has to be on board with it from the C-suite down. Long-winded answer, sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. I think I think one of the things that that is really interesting to me about the uh, benefits world is the fact that there are some innovators coming out into the marketplace, doing some things a little bit differently, essentially saying the system is broken. Let's help fix it. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell me a little bit about what some of those trends are that you're seeing at, around innovative approaches, maybe some companies disrupting the marketplace or some things that we should keep our eyes on in the world of HR. Um, great question. So, you know, front and center really has been with, with the pandemic, right? I'm going to talk about just today. Um, we've been on the telehealth, telemedicine wave for years. We've been working with Teladoc um, and most of, you know, MD Live and, and the OneRx, as you name it, for a number of years. Um, I think that you have to be offering a telemedicine choice of some kind for your employees we always recommend going outside of the carrier so what the carrier the carriers are very smart and, and and patrick would probably appreciate this the, the carriers are so smart that they said they saw where the trends were going because they couldn't charge for these claims anymore because people were going to outside physicians so they all bought up some kind of telemedicine company and they're offering tele telemedicine to any members that are on the plan. Um, we think that spending the you know couple dollars per employee per month extra and offering it at a no copay level uh, is the way to go for all employers because it'll save you in the long run in costs uh, from employers not going to urgent care, employees not going to the ER um, because you know I use it all the time. Um, at home, I don't know if you guys have it or if you use it, but you know, it especially if you're self-funded, you have to have telemedicine at no cost to your employees. All right. The other big ones, mental health. We partnered with eMindful. They're a mindfulness service and app uh, early in the pandemic. They all we offered not just to our clients, we offered to any HR professional that wanted it for their groups. We have them you know, a couple of employers with a couple thousand employees using it for free for 60 days. And I believe they extended it after that completely free just to, so that they can offer some kind of mental health mindfulness solution for their employees as they were going through this transition to working from home for an extended period of time. Um, and the other big ones, uh, common bond is, is a great partner of ours for student debt. Student debt is, after healthcare and after this election, um, when the conversations start to change about, again, thinking long-term, student debt is going to go right back to the forefront of what do we do with the student debt problem in this country? Common Bond is, is a great service that a lot of our clients have been using. ClassPass is going to be big now, again, um, with you know everyone working out at home and stuff like that. So th they're coming out every day, right? There's, there's a lot of great um, products out there and and we spend a lot of time just sifting through the weeds we at brio and this is sometimes fun sometimes not we test everything internally <laughs> so um before we we 
offer it to any of our clients. We use it and and we try to poke holes in like, is this a realistic service? Are people going to like this? Is it too expensive? Like what, you know, what's the deal? So um, those are my biggest ones. Telemedicine, Teladoc specifically, um, mental health, something like a talk space or an e-mindful are are great ones. And, um, you know, class pass and, and common bond for student debt. Right. These are really the the perks that I think are are going a long way. Couldn't agree more, especially with the mental health. Um, We're seeing that a lot in the HR world. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Mm -hmm. In the self-insured world, because I've been out for a while, um, is the high deductible health plans, is that still on a trend? Because in my fully insured world, our high deductible health plans that we are finding are significantly more costly um, than our plans that are not high deductible, that, than our traditional plans. Yeah, some of the carriers have made their adjustments uh, <laughs> over the years. The, the, the benchmarking trend, so we're part of UBA, United Benefit Advisors. Um, so we're collectively the, the fifth largest consulting group in the country, but we're an independent boutique firm as part of that partnership. We have access to the country's largest benchmarking survey as part of UBA. So we every year we go over with our clients and the high deductible health plans and HRAs, health reimbursement agents, have been picking up a lot of traction over the years. Um, the carriers are starting to make adjustments and they're starting to ding for for those plans, the HRAs, because they um, I guess they're not making enough money. But to 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 answer your question, it all depends on what state you're in, mm-hmm. the size of your group, and your utilization. Right there, there's an analysis that goes into it, um, but it, with being self-funded, I think you know for the self-funded group specifically, the real play long long-term savings is in carving out pharmaceutical benefits, RX benefits getting those rebates, there is so much fat built into these RX contracts that a lot of employers just don't know about. We have, so we work very heavily in the LGBT nonprofit space um, on both coasts specifically, and we're rolling out a specialty pharmacy product with, um, with a large client of ours, which I can't talk about, freely yet and, and until it's out, but it, it's going to be very big for the community. But we took on a client and they had a, a huge spend, right? And pharmacy spend, typically 30%, let's say, of your overall cost. For them, it was it was 50. And so when taking a look at it, you know, there was a lot of HIV medication on there, Truvada. Truvada is about a month is what the insurance carrier at Aetna will charge you. $17 a month every time a script for Truvada is filled. What they're not telling you is that drug manufacturer is actually cutting Aetna back a check in the ballpark of $1,200. Every time that $1,700 script gets filled, Aetna is getting a check back for $1,200. They're going to, the next year, they're going to tell you that it's not $1,700 anymore. We have to charge, we have to add trend on it. There's the price increase, right? Now imagine you have 50, 60 of those a month on just, this is just one medication I'm talking about. So what we're doing is for groups that are eligible, and there's always a lot of money in specialty meds, they they went self-funded, carved out their pharmacy, saved over almost a million dollars in the first year just in getting rebates. And they're, they're only a 300 or so life group. Let that let that dollar amount sink into how much money the pharmaceutical companies and the carriers are making on specialty drugs. All right. And as an employer, you can put yourself in position to receive that. The problem is, like Patrick said, Kyle, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, HR has so many uh, things on their plate, so many different hats you're wearing. It, it get it just falls through and then it's a scramble like we just need to get through this next renewal we need to get the next through this next renewal right and you're in the hamster wheel for for half your career doing that that, that that's the biggest cost saver high deductible health plans are they're great hras are great um there's an education that's involved with teaching employees 
I think education and communication is is the most critical part of offering a benefits plan. Um, I'll say that over and over again. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to control long-term costs by controlling, by actually owning the, the plans themselves. I am a huge proponent of employee or just individual education on healthcare costs and the reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that can make a huge impact. The biggest investment we've made over the years at Brio um, is into communication strategies, right? So there's four, some say five generations working under one roof for the first time in history. Everyone needs to, everyone gets information differently. Everyone learns differently. Like look, look at the four of us. We're, we're probably four very different types of learners, right? So how can you expect to roll out uh, a benefits plan, something that's actually so critical to so many employees and their families and their children, um, but they actually don't know how to how the money is being spent, why their increases are happening, how they're affected by what goes on in legislation and things like that, and and without giving them proper education on how to use the plans, right? So we've made big investments in um, what are some things our clients are doing. We're doing videos, open enrollment videos, webinars, live meetings. This is a, I'm talking about a typical open enrollment should have all of these things, a benefits website that they can access year round. Uh, benefits educational videos on a monthly schedule throughout the year, just, tr- you know, constantly just trickling stuff. And we're doing all of this by email and by text message, because what we've also realized is no one's reading emails anymore, right? We get so many emails a day and especially think about now, right? That we're all home and you can't even walk over to your coworker and have that conversation in a lot of cases, um, you know, for a lot of employers and employees, how are we going to talk? Everyone has their phone, though. Everyone has a smartphone. Everyone, everyone's checking it. So we're we're sending videos and education via text message now more than ever. That's what a lot of our clients are doing. I agree with that 100%. You can you can never over-educate too much because it's so – the carriers, the industry just makes it so complicated for our employees. and they just Oh, my goodness. Throw mm-hmm. their hands up and they come to all of us and just say, just tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to know. And, and to go back to one of the original things, Neil, that you pointed out was – Mm-hmm. Having it tie into your culture, benefits just shouldn't be a transaction and part of something you have because you're an employer. It needs to it needs to be something more than that. Total rewards tie into your culture, um, but it is that education piece that is so so complicated and it's mm-hmm. the hardest trying to get across. Yeah, and and we've been using um, services like uh, like Alex by Je- like Alex by Jellyvision which is a decision-making software. We've been using it for years with clients. And and why we like things like that is because the, the best way we describe it is your employee can get their education right on the spot without insurance talk. They can get a recommendation and the numbers without being smashed over the head with insurance mumbo jumbo and acronyms. And, and there's not, and I'm telling you as someone that's in the game, there is nothing worse than insurance talk. <laughs> I you know, agree. I sit on these meetings, I hear an acronym and I can't tell you, I, mean, I have to stop meetings all the time and say, oh God, hold on. What is that? What does that <laughs> even mean? HDHP with an HRA the agency, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm just lost. I mean, I'm in the right mind's going to sit down and read a 90 page coverage manual. Come on. None of us are. No one cares. Let's keep, let's let's be honest. No one, no one cares. They, you guys don't read that before you before you click accept you on know, the Apple's iTunes thing. I used to. <laughs> but you, you know what's sad? HR HR um, HR puts all this work, and people put all this work into this maintenance benefits booklet, and and it's just it's trash, right? For the most part, no one's going to read it. They when you have open enrollment meeting, what is anyone hearing? They're, all they're thinking of, did my network change? Can I still go to my doctor? And am I paying more or less? Right? It's never less. Let's let's keep it real also. And how much more am I paying? Or am I paying more or how much? So um, you, need to, you need to package your communications in a way that speaks to the employee while still doing that HR thing of CYA. Right. And 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 somebody I hate that he tried like, but you have to check the box also. And and but but it has to be engaging. So 
using tools like an Alex, like videos, which can hold your 40 second to one, one minute video can hold your attention for what you need to know. Being more engaging in those ways instead of just giving a paper benefits book every year is going to not only drive um, the value perception up and the engagement, but it's actually going to make the understanding better from the employee standpoint. And they will in then impact the entire plan for all of your employees in a better way by not taking that extra trip to the emergency room just because they needed like their asthma inhaler uh, refill in the middle of the night, you know, and, and we've all heard these like stories of like crazy urgent care and emergency room trips for, for like, no, <laughs> for it really could have waited till the morning or could have been done on teledoc. Um, but that they don't realize that actually hurts everyone in the long run. That's next to you because you're, you're, you're raising the plan for everybody. when You're doing stuff like that. Neil, I'm just glad that you admitted that you don't know what all the acronyms mean all the time. Cause I, I'm glad I'm not the only one sitting in there going like, pull out my phone. Okay. Google what's, uh-huh. what's PEPM versus PMPM. I can't remember. What <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a it, lot. And everyone uses different ones too. Like there, there's, yeah. it's not like a, yeah. it, it's regional. It's, it's uniform by your region, but you know, it, everyone uses their own acronyms and, and man, it's, what, it's, we, it's where we are. If we feel that way. I mean, I think about this every time I roll out a benefits plan I think about how our employees feel when they hear this stuff once a year or and then they go to their doctor and they get a bill and they just they don't understand it and it's no fault of theirs um but i've I've always tried to put myself in their shoes like how can i make this easier for them how can i help them how can i help them become a better consumer yeah yeah and And, and you you have to be consistent right you have to be persistent and patient and just keep on you can't tell them once and and think it's done. Right. And, and you have to drip it um, constantly. But I, I think part of it is also where they're getting their information from, right? A lot of HR yes. people are just uh, ill-informed as well, unfortunately. And, and, and they don't know a lot about it, nor should they be complete experts on it, right? It's just one piece of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what we've done at Brio, because I, I can't tell you how many like times we've heard this, we give all of our clients, um, and I think this is a really good just way to do things in general, everyone has an employee advocate assigned to their account. So all of our clients have a specific one or two people that they can reach out to with any kind of issue that they, that they have. So they got a bill. They got an explanation of benefits. They don't know how to read this. What is this? Do I pay this? Do I not? Instead of coming to you know, HR knocking on your door, taking away from what you were doing, your new DNI, um, you know, initiative that you're working on or, or, or anything else is going on, right? Your COVID testing that you're doing internally, you have to like stop and think about, you know, does this person have to pay towards deductible or not? And then you have to sit and you have to call Aetna and then you're calling the pharmacy forum because they, they're scared. Instead of doing all that, they can call a Brio, their Brio employee advocate because the only thing worse than call, coming to HR and asking is calling the carrier <laughs> and, and trying to get a straight answer from them, right? Um, or if you're, you know, with something like an ADP or something, calling calling the payroll company and trying to get a straight and a consistent answer. Uh, if you call two different times or three different times, how many different answers you're going to get? So we have an real employee advocate that all of our clients get that their employees can call to try to remove that layer of unknown of misinformation and you know let me do it for you or no you don't have to pay right they can get a simple answer instead of jumping through hoops and then just giving up and then being like our plan sucks because that's what because then you have the other part of hr of they had a bad experience because they just gave they got lazy and gave up and then they're they're sitting in the cafeteria with everyone saying guys our plan sucks here you know, okay. meanwhile, it's like you're benchmarking above everyone else. The competition doesn't offer half of this, you know, but they're, but they had a bad, oh man, the plant, these plants suck. It sucks here. And it's, you know, education, communication, education is the only way, in my opinion, 
to yeah, that that you get away from that. I want to talk about or want to ask about diversity, mm-hmm. equity, and inclusion um, mm-hmm. regarding benefits, design, strategy, communication. What can we do better? Um, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is is big now, and uh, we're doing it internally at Brio, and um, it's it's very you know it's all you're seeing on TV uh, when you're not talking about COVID, right? Um, and what can we do better from a, from a benefit standpoint? It comes down to, you know, employers are in a tough position and I want to be thoughtful of the audience because different size employers have different needs and different resources, right? Not everyone is a Verizon or a Home Depot, right? We're talking a lot more, um, you know, 300, 100, 500 person companies, right? Where, they might have been squeezed with what's going on in the last couple of months. And they're just everyone, a lot of groups are just in survival mode right now. And, 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 and resources are at a premium. So what you can do, what a lot of our clients are, have done is if you are able to take control of your costs, and I'm going to go back to this, to, to this LGBT group, because I think it's another great example of diversity and inclusion when they had that savings that I had mentioned, that large, you know, almost million dollar savings in the first year, instead of just pocketing that and putting it into into the coffers, what they did was they said, we're going to give back to our employees. We're going to set aside a little chunk here for in case of a bad year, because when you're self-funded, you have to a lot for well, one in six or seven years might be, you know, a, a painful one. We're going to put a little aside here. Then we're going to take some money. We're going to roll out uh, a 401k um, match. So we're going to give to our employees. And then we're going to take the rest. And we're going to try to offer the most progressive trans benefit across the country for a group our size. And that is what they did. And they had they looked at their population. And, and so this is very hard to answer in any specific way. But you have to... You have to look in, inside at your people, which being in HR, that's really what you should be doing. And I hope you're, everyone is doing that's listening to this. You have to look internally. You have to say, who are my people? What, what does my population feel, find important? And you, you find the resources for that out of the benefits plan and you put it into that. So for them, it was trans benefits because they... Aetna was not going to pay for it. They weren't covering it. They become much more um, willing to over the years. We've done a lot of work with Aetna's medical office, chief medical officer on this and how do they offer it to other plans. But that's what they want to put into. We have other groups that have a high female population or um, that want to offer a better fertility benefit. If you're in a state that doesn't mandate a fertility benefit they want to give they want to give a, a, a better fertility benefit or offer up egg freezing we work with a lot of of um, group companies in the fashion and retail space so heavy female population very career focused right and egg freezing has has become very big amongst these companies because these are these are females i want to focus on their career but you know still want to keep a, a family life in mind in, in the future so um, with, you know, when you're talking about DNI, right, in, being inclusive truly means being inclusive. So include everyone in your population when you're making the decision and think of how can I affect the most people possible or how can I make the biggest impact without necessarily hurting the bottom line of our company, right? We work with Rethink Autism for a number of years. They're an amazing service, but, you know, how many, how many of your employees deal with autism or have children on the spectrum, right? Statistically, less than 5%, 3% or so is probably the number. But by offering a benefit like this, it's relatively low cost. You can change the lives of this handful of employees. And instead of having those couple of employees that had you know, a bad experience calling you know, Aetna or, or Blue Cross or whoever and giving up and saying our plan sucks, they're coming to work and saying, oh, my God, I can't believe I can't believe what our what our employer is doing for my family. I'm living it. 
every day. We have these mental health benefits that I never had access to. You know, I was able to get a prescription at 11 p.m. because we rolled out a, an actual telemedicine. And I didn't have to pay a copay for it. And these are all like very, very inexpensive things and perks you can give, but that can change the that can make such a huge impact internally, you know, which is what you're going for in HR. This past year, I actually had an individual who was in the process of transitioning mm-hmm. and they came to me and asked what this meant for them and their benefit plan. And I didn't know. <laughs> and that right there was a huge lesson for me. And we talk about being proactive versus reactive. Like these are questions that I didn't even think to ask in our benefit planning and our benefit strategy meetings. So for me, it's like, I just need to be, when I go into these meetings, I need to, I need to open my mind a little bit. And okay. What questions, mm-hmm. what information should I be asking that I haven't? You know, and it's hard to get caught up in our, in our day to day, but you just have to look at the world around you sometimes mm-hmm. and, and really think of if this is impacting others, there is a, hundred percent chance it's impacting someone in your building right and so how do i help those people on a day-to-day basis in in doing what i'm doing that's that's my philosophy again there's no right or wrong here um but you're going to see a lot more of of that situation and there's a lot of learning that a lot of employers have to do in when it comes to that and how to how to deal and what you know, what it actually looks like for your organization. Powerful, powerful stuff. Really appreciate you, you sharing that and sharing your perspective, Neil. Uh, keep on disrupting. It, there's there's a lot to do. Um, so, so you know, I'm sure that the, uh, the conversation uh, needs to continue, uh, but we are closing in on time here. So how can our listeners get connected with, uh, with you and with Brio Benefits? You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Neil Ratsutsky, N-E-I-L. R-A-T-S-U-T-S-K-Y. Um, I, I'm always happy to connect. I've truly made an absolute effort from, I've been home since March 3rd, since March 4th. Um, I have been making an effort to help anyone and everyone I can across the country. I'm helping people try, HR folks and transition between jobs, try to find, try to link you with other people to try to find you employment. I'm uh, yeah, I've answered a million questions about COVID. I've learned so much about FFCRA. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Um, but you know, feel free to reach out, message me. Um, I'm open to talk. And you can find us at www.brio.brio.benefits.com is our website. Um, I'm here to help. So really and truly. Awesome. Great conversation, Neil. Thank you. Very insightful. And uh, thank you to Molly and Patrick, our our awesome co-hosts, for joining us today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we are No animals are. Baby.